32 and verse number 42, all right? Uh, And the Bible says, and they, and that's speaking about the 3,000 in verse number 41, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done uh, by the apostles. And all (coughs) that believed together had all things common. And were together and had all things common. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church such as should be saved. Now, if my records are right in the years I've pastored here, I have preached from Acts 2, verses 42 through 47, at least on two other occasions, and this is a different outline tonight. Uh, But I can't say it's a different message because the Word of God never changes, and so the message is still the same tonight. This morning we talked about Simon Peter's message on the day of Pentecost. And I don't know about you, but that thought stuck in my mind even throughout the day. Uh, that, that is the first recorded message we have after Calvary. And I believe that should be a pattern for our preaching. We ought to explain the text. We ought to exalt Christ. And the congregation has a choice to respond uh, to what was preached. And I want to remind you this evening uh, that when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, if you're born again and you stand before that judgment seat of Christ, we're going to give an account uh, for the truth that we had to whom much is given much will be required and so we need to do our best to pay attention in the preaching and receive I know when you got little ones it's hard and, and we're trying to teach them to mind and sit in the seat I understand that uh, but we need to do our best those that ain't wrestling with the youngin uh, you need to do your best uh, to listen to the word of God and then make a choice to respond uh, to what the Lord spoke to you about I understand that in every message it may not directly apply to you if you're saying when a guy preaches a message on how to raise a family. Uh, you might be sitting there wondering what's in it for me. Well, there's still good principles in what's being said, and it's still the Word of God. And so we preached this morning about Simon Peter's message, and I called the, the sermon title the definition of old-fashioned preaching. You know, we get a, we get attacked for that term old-fashioned, and they they want to say, well, you're talking about something in the '60s and the '70s and all that. Uh, but really, I'm talking about something older than that. I'm talking about the Book of Acts. Amen. Uh, Peter preached the Word of God and under the power and the touch of God and souls were saved and all were they say they were baptized and then they were added uh, to the local church there in Jerusalem. That is the definition of old time preaching. But when I begin to consider this text uh, this afternoon, I want to preach tonight on the definition of an old fashioned church. Amen. The definition of an old fashioned church. I tell you, I, as I said, we get attacked for that and there's a lot of criticism and that's all right. Uh, they, they have, uh, everybody had their opinion, and, and it's a free country, and men died, that, that's fine. Uh, but I'm glad I'm old-fashioned tonight, amen. I believe Jeremiah 6, 16, Stand ye there in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths, and walk therein, and ye, where is the good way, and walk therein, you shall find rest for your souls. I understand that context. Somebody said, well, that context, he's talking to Israel. Yeah, but the context, he's talking about God's people uh, living in obedience to the Word of God.
of God. Somebody said, what are the old paths? I like one preacher said, it's everything between the covers of that book. Amen. That's what the old paths are. Uh, we get, we changed decorations a little bit, but I still like that banner we used to have up there that said we're walking in the old time way. That's our theme around here. Uh, this is not just something we do. We believe it is right. And as I read Acts chapter number 2 and verses 42 through 47 about this early church, these uh, 3,000 people that were added to the church, you know what they are? They are the true definition of what an old-fashioned church ought to be. Amen. And I'm, I'm a part of the church tonight. Amen. This ain't an assembly. Uh, this ain't a gathering. Uh, but this is a church. Amen. The Bible said, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. Uh, Paul said, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know us how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, uh, which is the church of the living God, of the pillar and the ground of the truth. Jesus said, Upon this rock, I will build my church, uh, and the gates of hell uh, shall not prevail against it tonight. Uh, thank God for the church. Amen. And so, and I'm going to spare you sub-points tonight, but there's nine, there's nine little things in these verses tonight that I see about this church, this church of the book of Acts, that I believe are good characteristics of what an old-fashioned church is. Let's run through them quickly right here in the text. First of all, in that, old, that, in that first church, that old-fashioned church, the priority was doctrine. Look at verse 42, please. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. I've heard some preachers preach and heard men say, uh, well, doctrine's really not important and it really doesn't matter. But I submit to you tonight that if we don't have doctrine, uh, we don't have direction. Amen. Uh, doctrine is the basis of what we believe. Uh, don't be like that fellow. They asked him, what do you believe? And he said, I believe what my preacher believes. And he said, what does your preacher believe? He said, he believes what I believe. Sounds like none of them know what they believe. I'm telling you, you may not have to. Be, you don't have to be a preacher tonight uh, to know what this Bible says and know what you believe. Hey, we believe doctrine. You know these men that they preach the doctrine and they practice the doctrine. The Bible said in First Timothy four sixteen, uh, "Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing so thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee." I'm telling you, we got to have the right doctrine uh, so we will be protected. From false doctrine. Paul talks about in 1 Timothy 4, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and what? Doctrines of devils. Amen. Oh, there's some bad doctrines out there tonight. Oh, there's some bad preaching out there tonight. And you and I, the best way to know truth and the best way to know authenticity is not to go and study the false doctrines, but rather study the Word of God and find out what we believe and base it on the Word of God and believe the doctrines of the Word of God. I believe in the doctrine of God the Father. There is one God. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. I believe in the doctrine of Jesus Christ. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. I believe in the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. There are three that bear record in heaven of the Father and the Word and the Holy Ghost. I believe in the doctrine of Salvation by grace through faith uh, plus nothing minus nothing. I believe in the doctrine of eternal security. I believe in the doctrine of the priesthood of the believer. I believe in the doctrine of a place called
called hell. I believe in the doctrine of a place called heaven. I believe in the doctrine of the Word of God. The psalmist said forever, O Lord, Thy Word is settled in heaven. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I believe in the doctrine of the local church. I believe if you're saved by the grace of God, you ought to be a part of a church body. You ought to be active in a church. You ought to serve God in the local church. These are doctrines that we hold to. Those are just a few. I believe, I believe in doctrine tonight. We've got to have doctrine. You know, today they don't want to talk about doctrine. You know, they say, well, doctrine divides. You better believe it does. You better believe doctrine divides. That's what it's supposed to do. Not yoke it up with a Roman Catholic priest. I heard a preacher say today, ain't it wonderful so much King James Bible verses uh, were read at the king's coronation yesterday. He better check and see who was reading that King James Bible. It was a Catholic priest. Amen. They got a King James Bible too, but the Pope's still speaking. Ain't my crowd. I'm not yoking up with that. I'm not doing like Billy Graham did and yoking up uh, with the Pope and with the Roman Catholic Church. And we're not going to be ecumenical. Amen. We believe in doctrine. Doctrine divides. Amen. I'm telling you tonight, it's important that we remember this old-fashioned church, the priority was doctrine. Secondly, in the text, not only was the priority doctrine, but number two, the people were different. Look at verse 42. The Bible says they continue steadfastly. And by the way, that word continue is the key word of this text. Many, many begin, but few continue. They continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Watch this now. In fellowship and in breaking of bread. You look up that word fellowship and it means associations. It means that now that they got born again, their fellowship has changed. They are now fellowshipping with like-minded believers. The people were different. I tell you, we are called out to be separated. We ought to be different tonight. Uh, we don't need to be, look just like the world. That's why I showed those videos this morning of that contemporary music, and, you, and I, I put it on mute. And you testified yourself. It ain't just something I shoved down your throat. You testified yourself. It looked like a rock concert. It looked like a country concert. I tell you, that's not God's will tonight. Uh, God's people ought to look different. The Bible said, "Wherefore I'll come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing." And I will receive you. Hey, we ought to dress different tonight. We ought to walk different tonight. We ought to act different. We ought to speak different. Hey, we ought to think different. Amen. That early church, they were different. The book of Acts, chapter number 11, you know what the Bible says? They were first called Christians at Antioch. That was not a compliment. That was a persecuting, that was a persecution term. They're just like that Jesus Christ. Amen. Can anybody look at us? And say, boy, they look like Jesus Christ. These people were different. People were different. Sadly, you can't, you can't tell people from the world anymore. I mean, in the dress, and I may hit that a little more Wednesday night, but in the dress and the attire, and not just the dress, but the activity, and what you like on Facebook, and what you share on Facebook, some people sharing stuff that's got cussing in it, and liking videos that's got immorality and nakedness and wickedness in it, Amen. That's not becoming of a Christian. Some of y'all have to like every post you see. Seriously, stop it. You have to like everything. So I said, why? Because it shows up on my feed. So and so like this. I don't want to see that trash. Amen. So I said, why are you on Facebook? To sell books, promote the Timothy Conference, and keep up with the Braves. <laughs> and spy on preachers. <laughs> what I'm saying tonight is we ought to be different. Amen. That's right. Hey, if you got people cussing on your Facebook, you ought to drop like a hot potato. 
Amen. You got people putting half-naked pictures. I don't care if it's family. Whoever, drop them. Drop them. Grace had a cousin that was a witch. We dropped her. I dropped my own. Well, never mind. <laughs> I'm just telling you tonight. Oh, we we've got to be we've got to be careful in these matters. Our, got, the people are different. Well, I'm trying to help them. You ain't got. Hey, you can help people and not condone what they're doing. Hey, you know you can support your children, your grandchildren, but not miss church to do it. And, and not not you. And you know, a lot of people say, well, "I just don't like what they're doing." Well, quit supporting it. You can support them and not support what they're doing. Amen. How, how, where'd that come from? I'm talking about early church. The, the priority was doctrine. The people were different. Look at verse 42. Their, the prayer was diligent. The Bible said they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship of breaking of bread and in prayers. They made prayer a priority at, at the first church. You know what the Jesus said? My house should be called a house of, but you have turned it to a den of, what does thieves do? Thieves come in and take what they want. Is that not what we do at church? We just come in and get what we want, get our blessing, and we don't spend no time communing with the Lord. You know, the Bible talks about Jesus in Mark 1.35, and in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed to a solitary place and there prayed. Jesus had no sin. Amen? Jesus had, no, Jesus had flesh, but he did not have that sin nature. But yet every day he started his day with prayer. If the Lord Jesus Christ, who was perfect and holy and sinless, started his day with prayer... How much more should you and I, who are not holy, who are not sinless, who are not perfect, how much more should we spend time in prayer? You ought to study the prayer life of Jesus Christ throughout the Gospels. Mark 1.35, he prayed in the morning before heading to Galilee. Luke 12, he prayed all night before choosing the 12 disciples. Luke 11, he, before teaching his disciples the model prayer, he prayed. Before he laid hands on the little children, he prayed. He prayed in John 12, asking the Father to glorify His name. He prayed at the Lord's Supper. He prayed for Peter at His denial. He prayed in Gethsemane before His betrayal. He prayed on the cross. Three of the seven sayings of the cross were prayers. We ought to pray for the sinners. We ought to pray for the saints. We ought to pray for the sermon. We ought to pray for those that are straying. We ought to pray for the singing. We ought to pray that the Spirit of God would have His way. I don't like the definition of an old-fashioned church. Doctrine was their priority. The 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 the, uh, the people the priority was doctrine. The people were different. Prayer their prayer uh, was diligent. Number four, I'm hurrying. Look at verse 43. The power was divine. The Bible said, "And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles." Let's deal with the primary interpretation of the text. We understand there in this transitional period during the book of Acts, they did not have a complete canon of the scriptures, so God was still using signs and wonders and miracles. And the signs were the Jews seek after a sign, and Greeks after wisdom. But Paul said, after the book of Acts, "But we preach Christ." Amen. That when that I quoted this morning, when that which is perfect has come, that and shall in part shall be done away with. That thing that's perfect is the King James Bible of the Word of God. And so those signs and wonders and miracles, that's done away with. We don't need that anymore. Why do you need a sign when you have the substance? When I go to Chick-fil-A, I don't go and stand there at the sign and say, I want a number three, eight count, large size with a diet lemonade. I'm on diet lemonade now. With a diet lemonade. I don't do that. I go inside where the substance is at. A lot of people, all these people want it on the signs, the signs, the signs, and they got the substance of the Word of God right there. And all they want is a sign. But here's the application. Ain't it amazing that the signs and wonders, the power, did not come until after they gave attention to prayer? Boy, we want God to move in a service. Don't we? we want to see the power of God, but we don't seek the Lord in prayer. 
I'm talking about the definition of an old-fashioned church. Watch this, number five. I'm moving pretty good. The priority was doctrine. The people were different. Prayer was diligent. The power was divine. The power wasn't in the apostles. The power was in God. Notice this, verse 44 and 45. The possessions were distributed. Look at the Bible. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. This is not a communistic socialism that they're doing right here. You remember there are people from from different nations and regions that have come to Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost. And it got on. And they're staying. And they only brought two changes of clothes. They only brought so much. So you know what them you know what them people that live in Jerusalem? They shared with those believers from out of town and distributed and gave to them and they made sure that they had their needs met while they were there. What's the application of that, preacher? The early church understood it wasn't about them. I tell you, if we could get uh, the self the self the, the selfie mentality out of us, you know that selfie mentality is in church. It's all about us. They got my seat. They sung my song. They didn't shake my hand. They didn't make me happy. I, 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 me, me, me. Why, why, why? Nobody cares. Amen. This, 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 this church is set apart for the Lord Jesus. I don't know of anything, but I just know how people are. I know how humans are. And I know how I get. We get to thinking it's about us. And, and, and we need to have people cater to us and meet our needs. That's not what old-fashioned church was about. They saw the needs of others, and they sacrificed for the needs of others. Remember in John chapter 13 that night, uh, they went up in that upper room, and there was nobody there to wash feet. There was not a servant there. And so the Bible said that after supper, Jesus rose up, and He laid aside His garment, and He took a towel, and He began to wash the disciples' feet. We don't believe that, that foot washing is a church ordinance, but you wouldn't have to push me very hard for me to implement it. Okay, I'm going to tell you what would help a lot of people is to get down and wash somebody else's feet. Some of y'all get nervous right now. Some of y'all might think, i got pans of water in the back right now. You don't know if I do or not. We laugh about that. But are you too prideful to serve somebody else? You know what Jesus said when He got done? He said, I've given you an example that I've done to you, you do to others. I don't believe he was talking about literally washing their feet. Here's the other thing he's talking about. You saw how I humbled myself and served you? You need to serve one another. My daddy preaches a, a message and he'll, he'll have a towel. He'll have two towels. He preaches on the ministry of the towel. And he'll have a towel that's all dirty and all filthy. He said, wouldn't it be a blessing to go to heaven with your towel dirty because you've been serving? He said, but somebody's going to go to heaven and he'll hold up a white, clean towel. you got your towel and you're proud of how clean it is. But you ain't served anybody. You ain't been a blessing to anybody else. You've not sacrificed for anybody else. Old-fashioned church was serving the needs of others. Amen. I am not. I, I may be the pastor right here, but I'm not the top dog. I am to be a servant to this congregation. By the way, this congregation is to be a servant to one another. Amen. You know anybody can pick up trash? Amen. You know anybody uh, can, can take the garbage to the road? You know anybody can take the garbage out? Amen. Somebody said, well, we pay somebody to do that. If that's your mentality, you're not... Uh, amen. Yeah. Are, are you seven? Do you have to have somebody clean up after you all the time? Amen. That's why, that's why we ask parents, clean up your pew. Amen. Make sure everything's are looking. Makes it easier for those who come by hiding and clean. Amen. What I'm saying tonight is it's not about... This, this is... Uh, people just want to be... You know, you, I, was, I was at the airport the other day. I hate going to airports. It is better than having to drive back seven hours after preaching on a Saturday night. But I hate going to airports. I do. Because everybody is just so me-centered. 
That woman and that daughter are, you got my seat. I'm like, I bet y'all are a joy at the house. I mean, I just, I just bet your husband just said, boy, I love my wife and daughter. You know, if anybody's praying for that plane to crash, it was that old man. At least we don't have to hit, listen to them two hens anymore. Just squawking and hollering and fighting and cussing the whole time. You know why? Two selfish people. And it's in church too. Amen. That's why I took the names off the window except for Brother Rick's. Because we're saying that we left Brother Rick's name there and honor him. But if people get, oh, that's my window, that's my pew, that's now. Oh, no, 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 no. This is the house of the Lord. Saying about serving us and lifting our name up. Some of y'all just realize them names are gone. <laughs> you don't know how long they've been gone. <laughs> See? That shows how much they meant to you. Don't worry. All the names we took off, they don't go to church here no more. <laughs> Amen. What I'm saying tonight, it's not about us. Amen. There shouldn't be a person in this building that's too proud to clean a toilet in this church. Amen. I don't have to cut the grass around here. Men have offered to help me, and I appreciate the help. Brother Tony's helped me. Uh, Brother Brian's helped me. Brother Phil's helped me. Uh, Brother Charles has helped me. Different people have helped me mow the grass, and I appreciate that. But you know one of the reasons why I cut grass? To keep myself humble. Now, y'all pray for me. But I don't want to get so high and mighty in my three-piece suit and my, my Johnson Murphys and my cufflinks and my Schuyler Bible that I can't get out there in a weed eater. Amen. And I can't get out there with a mower and pull some weeds, amen, and cut some grass. Amen. Ain't nobody above anybody. You ought to, amen. Whatever happened to holding the door for somebody? Whatever happened to, hey, when we have fellowship dinners, well, it's not my team to clean up. If you see a piece of trash on the floor, you ain't got to be on the team. Just clean it up. What's their job? You wouldn't, you wouldn't make it the first church of Jerusalem because they were just serving one another. Amen. And we got some servers in this church. I thank God for that, but everybody's not serving. Amen. Boy, I got quiet right there. Amen. Everybody ought to serve. Everybody ought to find something to do at church. Notice verse 46. The passion was displayed. Some of y'all didn't like that point. You're probably the one who needed it. Brother Ron Garrett said, look me in my God-given eyeball. Amen. Their passion was displayed. Look at verse 46. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Ain't it amazing? These people were not satisfied with one service a week. In fact, they went every day. Amen. Now, I understand we can't do that in the world we're living in. I understand that. But is three, is three services a week too much to ask? Amen. And I know, I know Sunday night and Wednesday night ain't in the Bible, amen, but neither is brushing your teeth, and we all do that. At least I hope you do. If not, we'll catch wind of it one way or the other. What I'm saying tonight, the Bible said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Hey, we need to be faithful to church. We need to be on time to church. Amen. You know what's distracting? It's time to preach and people walking in while you're preaching. Amen. Church starts around here at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. Well, that's Sunday school. No, church starts at 10 o'clock around here at, at Safe Harbor. Amen. Somebody says, well, I just have a hard time being on time. No, you're lazy. All you got to do is get up earlier. And my alarm, I set my alarm every Sunday morning. You know why I don't want, well, you know why I'm never late to church? You want to tell me I get up on Sunday morning? 5.45, except this morning I didn't hear my alarm. But I'm still up at 6.40. And I was here by 7.15 with my messed up biscuit from Bojangles. How hard is it? Ham biscuit and they give me a bacon, egg, and cheese. How hard is that? 
I mean, I know it's a pig, but I didn't want the other stuff. What I'm saying tonight is we ought to be on time. You know, when we just rush in, it. you know, and I understand car breaks down. I understand something like that. Okay, I get that. But when somebody's habitually late, you know what that's telling me? That's telling me they put no preparation and no thought of being in a church. It's kind of a last-minute thing with them. Amen. Dr. Lee Robertson said if you're 30... <laughs> it's Dr. Robertson. He said if you're 30 minutes early, you're late. I didn't say it. Dr. Robertson said it. He just pastored 3,000 people, so I don't guess I hurt him too bad. Amen. We ought to be faithful. We ought to be on time. You're on time to work. You make sure the kids are on time to school. Amen. You're, we're, we're on time everywhere else, so I'll be on time to church. Amen. Amen. And I understand on Wednesday nights, I, 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 have, more, I have more understanding on Wednesday night than I do Sunday. Because Wednesday night people work. I get that. I understand that completely. Well, ain't no excuse on Sundays. Ain't no excuse on Sunday but laziness. Amen. Or a broken down car. Amen. Then notice, notice verse 47, their praise was deliberate. Watch what the Bible says. They were praising God. Wasn't a quiet church. It wasn't a quiet church. It was a church. They were praising God and giving God glory. The Bible said, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. That means if you're breathing, you ought to be praising God. That means if you're breathing, uh, you ought to have a song of thanksgiving, a song of testimony. You ought to be thankful. The Bible said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He redeemed from the hand of the enemy. You ought to be thankful. You ought to give a, a testimony. You ought to be ready for a testimony. You may not testify every service, but you ought to be ready to testify. Amen. You may not sing a song every service, but those sing, you ought to have a song ready to sing. Amen. You ought to come in ready to praise the Lord. You praise the Lord by saying amen, hallelujah, by singing a song, raising a hand, giving a testimony. Amen. This is not a Catholic church. The only thing that resembled a Baptist church to me yesterday was watching them people sing at that coordinate. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't even care. I don't know why y'all care about the king. Y'all ever heard of Revolutionary War? You know, we threw all the tea into the harbor because we didn't like them. We sent a missionary over there to get him saved, amen, but I don't care. You know, somebody said, what do you care about? A coronation of Trump. Somebody say amen right there. I like the, I like the sound of King Trump, all right? I'm just telling you, though, you, you, the one thing I noticed about them, they sung like this. Oh, bah, bah, bah. It just, just look like it is. I don't know what they were saying. But it just looked like they were just so depressed to be there. I'm like, if there's anything that looks like a Baptist church, that's it right there. That ought not be. You ought to be happy. Both Sammy, both Sammy Allen, I wish some of y'all could have got to met him. He'd scare some of y'all to death. I come close to having him, and the only reason I didn't have, I didn't feel led of the Lord, but honestly, I didn't know some of y'all could take him. He was an unusual man. Very unusual. Some of y'all's heard him, you know what I'm talking about. Hey, he, he come to grace, y'all know. Did you ever stand for 45 minutes? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Me and Grace had just got married, and we went over to Brother Ronnie Simpson's. He always preached revival for Brother Ronnie in January, and I was in Bible college at Brother Ronnie's at the time. And so that night we usually have class. We, we were to go to the, to the revival meeting for class credit, which is not a problem. I, I love Brother Sammy to death. God bless his memory. Grace had never, never heard him before. She'd heard of him. So we went that night, he, he, and, he know, and he knew me. And uh, it, it got on pretty good, and Brother Sammy's up there. You know, he's looking, he had eyes like Superman, just look right through you. And all of a sudden he said, Hey, Miss Montgomery, stand up and testify. Grace just sat down and went, You're Miss Montgomery. 
She said, huh? I said, he wants you to testify. So she just stood up and cried. And Brother Sam said, that's good. That's real good. You sit down now. Let's come down here and pray. That's what he told her. Go pray. I say, Brother Sam, he tells somebody to come down and pray. They get up. No, you didn't pray long enough. Stay down there and pray a little bit longer. <laughs> Man walked with God, but I tell you, he wasn't ashamed to praise the Lord. Amen. Both Sam used to say, though, if you're breathing, he'd say, y'all praise the Lord. He said, don't get too excited. You're just going to live forever. You're, gonna live, you're only going to live as long as God lives. Don't get too excited. He'd say, take it easy now. Everybody thought he had Parkinson's. He didn't. He shook. He's just a real nervous, a, a real nervous person. He shook. He said, don't get nervous now. You're just going to live as long as God lives. Y'all look him up on YouTube. Make sure you got an hour and a half. What I'm, say, what I'm saying tonight, though, we're saved for eternity. But looking at it, you couldn't tell it. You want to know the story about Brother Sam? You see, Miss Janice, he stayed in their home. He was a, he was a blessed. I, I, I know there's a, there's a funny story. He he uh, they had a tax bill that they couldn't. That Brother Larry, Miss Janice, was that y'all in Virginia at this time? They had a tax bill, and it's, and Brother Sammy found out about it, and he told Brother Larry on I guess on Friday night. He said, "Go up there and get that money from the offerings this week." And he gave his offering and raised money to pay Brother Larry Miss Janice's tax bill that Friday night and went home without a dime in his pocket. That's just Brother Sammy. Just a gracious man. And now there's some funny stories too we could tell you. But you know what that man taught me? Let everything that hath breath, praise the Lord. Notwithstanding this, rejoice not the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. That's what that early church was doing. They were praising God. If somebody's singing a song and there's a line talking about being saved, and you're saved, you ought to say, hey, I know, I, I'm glad I'm saved. I can identify with that. You ought to raise your hand. Yep, I know what that's about. And, and if somebody's I'm preaching the Word of God and talking about Calvary, talking about God's goodness, and, and you identify, you ought say, yeah, I, I agree with that. that. God did that for me. That's what worship is, is identifying. Amen? And then the providence, the providence was, was distinct. Or the, the pleasantness was distinct. The Bible said, having favor with all the people. Verse 47, i got to hush. This, this phrase means it had a spirit of unity. Verse 46 talks about the gladness and singleness of heart. Why do I use the word pleasantness? Because the Bible said, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And then, last of all, the providence was described. Verse 47, And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. You know what a true old-fashioned church is? It is led by the Word of God. Through the Son of God. The Spirit of God. Amen. I am the pastor. We understand that. God has authority. God has leadership. But I'm the under-shepherd. I'm the sheepdog. I'm the one that's taking care of the sheep for the shepherd. Amen. But at the end of the day, the head of the church is the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't die for the church. I didn't give myself for the church. The Lord Jesus Christ done that. It's His church. It's His body. I'm glad I'm a part of an old-fashioned church tonight. I thank God for this place. I really do. It's 6.50. I'm preaching 30 minutes. I'm done. I thank God for I'm not preaching now. Now I'm just talking, so that time's off, all right? I know y'all don't put a time on me. It's a discipline thing I do for myself, okay? I tell you, wouldn't the devil like, the devil like to destroy a church like this? I know we don't have a lot of people here, but we have a good spirit here. And I would rather pastor a smaller church with a good spirit and pastor 500 and have fights breaking out every week. Amen. I've had a little bit of both. 
We've, we've, had, we've had big numbers here before, and I had, I had more trouble than you can shake a stick at. And, and that's a lot, some of that's because of my youth and my ignorance, and some of that's because of other people's ignorance. But what I'm saying, at the end of the day, we ought to keep a right spirit in the church. You know how you keep a right spirit? Humility. Preferring your brother. Loving the Lord. Loving the Word of God. Having a prayer life. Walking with God. I'd hate to know that I was the problem at a church. Wouldn't that be awful? Wouldn't it be awful to know I, I'm the issue at my church? My church is being hindered because of my spirit, my attitude, my prayerlessness, my lack of study, my lack of devotion. I tell you tonight, if you're on the fringe tonight, don't get on the fringe. Get all the way in. That's the definition of an old-fashioned church from Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. Let's stand together tonight. I don't know how to give an invitation after a sermon like this. Maybe you just want to come and thank God for your church. Maybe you want to say, Lord, help me not to be an issue in my church. I want to be a, I want to be a light, be a testimony. I want to be a witness. Whatever the Lord has spoken to your heart about tonight. This morning we looked at the definition of what old-fashioned preaching is. Tonight, this is the definition of an old-fashioned church. People that love God, love the Word of God, they love one another, they have a desire to see people saved. That's what an old-fashioned church ought to be. That's what it ought to be tonight. Serving others, having a burden for the lost. As you read on the book of Acts, these same people, they had a burden to see people saved. Oh, I'd hate to know I was the problem in my church. Help us to humble ourselves. Help me to humble myself. You know, it's better for us to humble ourselves than the Lord to have to humble us. The Bible said, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. God spoke to your heart tonight. You come.